How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. I don't think the roster's has changed. So I don't think the roster's has changed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax and Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. I suggest you do that and you can uh, you can follow me. Apologies to the people who did tweet me this morning. I was uh, I was not um, studying the, the start of the NBA slate today. I was, uh, I was doing some stuff with my son so I wasn't completely locked in so I apologize if I didn't get to your questions this morning. Normally you know that I'm uh, on top of those things and I will get back to you. But this morning, I was not there for uh, for lineup lock because again, I wasn't uh, I wasn't you know right locked in when that was happening this morning. So I do apologise for the delay in responses there. Today we're going to be looking back at all of Friday's games. We're going to be pre- previewing Saturday's action. So let's get to it. To it. We will get to it. Michael Bolton, the monstrous line of the night. Big Al Horford. Um, I know a lot of you that owned Al Horford were frustrated. With his concussion, a lot of people throwing out conspiracy theories. There's something else wrong. Why is his concussion taking so long? Blah blah blah. Whatever. It, it's all it's all sorted now. Horford's putting up ridiculous numbers, and, and he did it again today. He's uh, had 26 points. He hit four triples, and this is a guy that before last season couldn't hit a three at all. Eight boards, three assists, two steals, six blocks. That's where he really gets it done. Is in those defensive numbers today. He was 10 of 18 from the field. He hit both of his free throws. And as I said, he's been an absolute monster this season. And and shockingly enough, he's been a top 10 player this year. Yes, so far this season. I don't necessarily think it's going to hold. And a lot of it is to do with a ridiculously elevated block rate. He's almost at three blocks a game this season. He was at 1.5 last season, 1.3 the year before. Over the last six games, he's at a steal and 3.2 blocks. Hasn't missed a free throw in that time. And has hit 53% of his field goal attempts. These numbers are... Uh, Ridiculous. He's averaging almost five assists a game. Like, I don't even know what to say about what Horford's doing, but it's very, very impressive. Yeah, he's only played nine games this season, but in nine games to have to have blocked twenty six shots is a is a huge amount. He only blocked one hundred and twenty two all of last season, so we're talking about him being on a on a ridiculous pace at this point, and you absolutely have to love it. it it's going to drop. The percentages are fine. He had 83 and 53, that's, that's pretty standard for him. 42 from threes may be a little bit elevated, but I don't think he's sticking at five assists, although that one that one could be possible. He could stick at that. The the three blocks a game is probably where I say, you know what, maybe you're pushing the friendship a little bit there, Al. I'm not quite sure if you're going to be able to stick at three blocks a game, but there's not like there's other guys in here siphoning blocks away from Horford in Boston. Just be really happy with where you picked him. And with this uh, extra production that's happening now, if you're looking, if you think that maybe it's a sell high and you get offered a top 12, top 15 guy back, I would absolutely be looking into doing that. Because as I said, I just don't think that this elevated block rate that he's putting up 
is going to is going to remain and that's you know when you look at what's fueling it and you can go on basketball monster look at the z scores and you see this really you know fluorescent bright green almost in the block column that's what's fueling the the elevated ranking and if that comes back down and that halves then we drop 10 15 20 spots in the rankings and that's that's the big difference there so have a look at that but you know, otherwise, I don't really think you can complain too much about what Horford's had since before he got hurt, and since he's got hurt, obviously that absence in the middle was a was a frustrating time. But it's all good now. The waiver wire line of the night. Been waiting for a while for this one. I've um, I've been pretty pretty exciting. You could say that I've uh, that I'm ready to get my cock out today because it's here. It's Kylo Quinn. He's the waiver wire line of the night. Jeff Hornacek. He whipped his cock out, and it came out. It came to fruition. It actually, it actually worked. We had a, a massive cock explosion. I love cock. I'm a, I'm a huge Kylo Quinn fan. I have been for years and years and years, or as long as he's been in the league. And I feel like he's been completely misplayed in New York. Twenty points, thirteen rebounds, two assists, two blocks, nine of eleven from the field. He hit both free throws, and. If you've listened to this podcast long enough, you would have heard me speak about Cock plenty of times and say, if he gets the minutes, the stats are going to come. There's, there's pretty much no doubt of that in my mind. He's per 36 numbers over the last two weeks, 12 and 12, three assists, one and a half blocks, 60 and 75 as percentages. They're obviously very impressive numbers. The problem the problem is, is that from time to time, Billy Hernan Gomez has played more minutes than him. Marshall Plumley played more minutes than him. And Joakim Noah, who was out of this game, will play minutes over him. They've got Kristaps Porzingis, who plays at center as well. So you know, for as much as I love Cock, it's going to be hard for him to continue in this role. But at least more people are actually seeing what he can do. You know, he was a little bit buried in Orlando in his time there, which is really, really, really started to shine and still, until they inexplicably took him out of the rotation, which... I probably should rephrase that because if it was any other team, it would be an inexplicable removing from the rotation. But with Orlando, young players with potential, we don't need them. Let's let's get rid of them. Let's get rid of them for nothing. That's that's MO from Rob Hannigan. Mo Harkless, you're a young player with potential who plays well. Why don't we give you away for nothing? Kylo Quinn, you've shown lots of flashes. You've started for Nick Vucevic and been good. Oh, let's keep you out of the rotation completely. And then I can go into Vic Oladipo. I can go into Toby Harris. But... This is it from Cock. This is a, a huge performance. This is exactly what that he can do. It's it's a little bit elevated, obviously, with the shooting percentages. But the, the presence of Billy, the presence of Joe Kim, is going to make it hard for him to be a, a guy that does that all year. Now, in his limited minutes, 14 a game, he's still ranked 200th this season. In the last two weeks where he's played 20 minutes a game, he's ranked inside the top 140. So inside the top 140, that means at 14 team leagues... You have to look at him. And I think that he's probably a, a 14 to 16 team league guy at the moment, but we know, and I'm, I'm glad that it, I don't feel crazy because I, I continually say this, he does have this potential to be a be a top 100 guy if the minutes were to come his way. So shout out to uh, Kylo Quinn. Shout out to the Knicks for, for actually letting him play and seeing what he can do. And let's see where it goes from here. I'm a little bit skeptical of, uh, of much happening from there, though. If you want to hear more about the Knicks and if you want to hear more about Cock, Listen to Jared Dubin on Locked on Knicks. Jared will have all your cock information for you. He'll cover the big performance from Kylo Quinn and everything else going on with the Knicks. The return of Joe Kim Noah, the play of Christos Porzingis, Derek Rose, Brandon Jennings, backcourt, Courtney Lee's ankle. Jared will have all that covered over on Locked on Knicks. So I suggest you go and check that out. The young gun of the night. 
Big Carl Towns at it again. Not quite the 47-point game from the other the other day, but 20 points with three triples, eight boards, one assist and three blocks is still uh, is still real impressive. The 5 of 18 shooting is obviously far from impressive. The 7 of 8 from the line is good, and he's, uh, he's starting to crank it up again now. He's, he's uh, crank, cranking himself inside the top 15 over the last week, averaging 26 and 12. And we talked about him maybe at the start of the week, how he'd probably been a little below expectation. He's still just that little bit below, mainly due to a big drop in field goal percentage and free throw percentage. You know, true shooting down from 59 to 57. That's a significant drop, and it does hurt across both of those categories. And he's, uh, he's, it's, I guess his true shooting's really only helped by the fact that he's up to 39% from three this season. But Towns is, is starting to get it going again. And look, you might have been disappointed. You would have been really disappointed if you grabbed Towns at three, which was not something I ever advocated for heading into the season. But some places were, and some people did. But if you went for him at five or six, you'd probably be feeling a little bit disappointed at this point. But I think that he finishes the season inside the top 12 and uh, and and will be fine in that in that regard. The dud of the night, we're sticking with Minnesota. Three, uh, three awards from the same game. Gorgie Jeng was the dud of the night. Just the two points for Gorgie, five boards, one of two from the field. He batted, battled foul trouble in this game, so that really uh, that limited what he was able to do here. He's struggling a little bit at the moment. He seems to be the, the guy in the starting five that Tom Thibodeau has the quickest hook for, but some nights he'll play 40 minutes and some nights he'll play 28 minutes and some nights like today, then he'll really struggle with the fouls. I'd be chalking this one up to just just foul-related, but if it was Wiggins, if it was Levine, if it was Towns, they'd be more likely to play through that than what uh, than what Jeng is. We saw Cole Aldrich, another one of my boys, really push through and play a fantastic game, which is another thing that I've been really disappointed with Aldrich this season because I say how good of a player he is and he hasn't shown it. Well, he did today, so it's good to know that he's still got it and he was playing well alongside Towns with, with Jeng on the bench. I don't think that's any sort of permanent move. Obviously, the team needs some sort of a shake-up. Is that a replacement of Jeng with, with Aldrich? I would be highly doubtful that's the case. But now Jeng's just going to be this guy that hover, hovers around that top 50 zone who gives you good percentages with a steal and a block and good rebounds, and the scoring's not going to quite be there. But everything else should be pretty impressive for Gorgie Jeng. And uh, I just chalk this one up to not a great night. And that's exactly what it was. Let's look at these games now, go through the box scores. The first one, the Orlando Magic and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Magic scored over 100 points. I know it's a shock to everybody. We'll start off with Aaron Gordon, who who was good. And I know I spent a lot of time this week talking about his confidence and his play and the way he's being used. He still only played 25 minutes. Now, he started, which is, which is good, and he's continuing to start. He scored 20 points, which is almost a career high for Aaron Gordon. But it came on 9 of tw- nine of 14 shooting, and we talked about how just ridiculously low all his percentages had been up until this game. So there was going to be a chance for him to, to, to regress back to the mean, and it, and it happened here. But the, the thing to me is that only two boards, no steals, one block, that's a little bit disappointing. And the fact that he was on, he was playing well, and he still played only 25 minutes is a frustrating experience. But when you're looking at the back end of your roster, and you're looking at that 13th spot on your roster, what are you doing with it? Are you dropping Aaron Gordon for Jared Bayless? For Dario Saric? Uh, who's got the higher upside? And that's, you know, I'll probably look at it that way until we get to January, February, really, and maybe rotate that spot through. Where's my upside? Who's going to come good? Who's going to come good? Rather than who's going to give me solid, steady production at, at that point. 
Now, it is still not easy to hold on to Aaron Gordon. He's not going to shoot, like he's not going to shoot 35%. He's not going to shoot 64% either. And that fueled his 20-point outing, and nothing else came in the other areas, and it was a good night for him, and he played just 25 minutes. So there is still some signs for concern, by all means. And when I talk about upside and potential, you grab him. You grab him off the waiver wire, because he's going to have higher upside than anyone else that's out there. But by no means is he, uh, I'm absolutely dropping someone on my team who's going to have guaranteed value, or am I absolutely holding on to him in place of someone on the waiver wire who's got guaranteed value long-term, top 100 type numbers. But it's obviously, it's great as an owner to get that sort of a night. Nick Vucevic, man, huge night from him. 12 and 11, five assists, two triples, one steal, one block in 27 minutes. This is something we talked about in the preseason. Even off the bench, he can put up big minutes and he's sort of settling into this role. I wish it was 34 minutes because I, I don't believe in Bismarck Biombo. But in 27 to 30 that he's currently getting, he's yeah, providing that 50-ish type range and just continually double-doubles, basically. Jody Meeks made his season debut. 10 points with two triples. The three steals in 17 minutes. I think the minutes are fine. I think the minutes are real. Obviously, Frank Vogel has no love for Mario Hazonia. CJ Watson's a nothing. CJ Wilcox doesn't play. So Meeks is going to get this sort of a role off the bench. Um, But it's going to be deeper league stuff only. 16-4-3 for Fournier. Abarca had a triple one with 16 and four decent numbers. And actually, Jeffy Green put up some good numbers, 16 and six in 23 minutes and two triples. We're only looking at him in, say, 16 team leagues. The point guards, DJ Augustine, nine, three, and four. He played 22. So Lord Alfred Payton, he played 24. So more minutes for Payton there. Wasn't a great night for Payton. Two points, four assists, and a steal. I am still holding Payton in most 12ers, and I'm not adding DJ Augustine in most 12 team leagues. But there's always going to be different situations or different stories as to whether you hold or grab a guy. For Peyton in a 10-team league, far from a must-own guy. On to the sixes, Joel Embiid, the process, his numbers are up, his minutes are up. 27 here, his limit is 28. Just the casual 25 and 10 with three triples and four assists for Embiid. Um, what, what do you want me to say about this guy? Seriously, how good is he? He's just putting up ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. And I, I, hang, I hang crap on a lot of people, on a lot of players, um, in nothing personal against them. I have to give credit to Jill Okafor. He has played. He has played well the last couple of games. A sixteen and thirteen double double in twenty eight minutes. He shared the court with Embiid for really the first time this season. He had two blocks and he was eight of ten from the field. I still don't think that he's a must own twelve team league guy, but the way that he's improving over the last couple is encouraging. Now I'm also getting a lot of questions: Do I stash Nerlens Noel? And do I stash Ben Simmons? I'll give you my thoughts on those. No one's Noel, what minutes is he getting? Is he getting 30 minutes? No, not a chance. Is he getting 25 minutes? Feels like a stretch. Where does the 25 come from? Do Does 12 come off Jelly Lokofor? No. Does any come off Joel Embiid? Of course not. Does it come off Ilya Sova? Yeah, a couple might come off there. Does it come off Sharich? Yeah, a couple might come off there. But he's not getting to 25 minutes, I don't think. He's probably going to be at low 20s. It's We have the memory of Nerlens Noel, and I still think he's a good player, and I still think he can contribute. But he's not going to contribute too much on this team. He's not going to play enough minutes for him to be a must-own guy. As for Simmons, apparently he's trending as, a, as an ad player, like this is the guy that everyone's grabbing. He's probably a month away from returning. And when he returns, do you think he's waltzing back into a 30-minute role? And he's a rookie? I know he's a, I know he's 
potentially a good rookie, but a rookie who's four months behind in his development, who will be on a minutes limit, who will probably sit back-to-back games. I don't see the appeal to hold on. Now, if you've got an IR spot, of course. If you don't, then it's suicidal. You're waiting a month, and then you might be waiting another month for him to play 28 a night. It might take that long. And we don't even know for sure that he's coming back in January. This was the initial timetable we were given two months ago, but we haven't heard any information since then. So I don't believe that Simmons or Noel are absolute mustache guys. Different situations all the time, though. No Jared Bayless, a Spanish chocolate, 25 for him, 8, 3, and 7 with a block. Continues to provide short-term value while Bayless is out. And Bob Cove only played the 23 minutes, hit three triples, 9, 6 with two steals, but he suffered a knee strain. So uh, we'll have to check on his status moving forward. You know that my uh, my thoughts on him means that he's a, a must-own sort of a player. Ilyasova and Sharich, neither of those guys got to 20 minutes with more Okafor and Embiid on the court. And that's, again, that's going to be something that impacts Simmons, and in, or maybe not Simmons, but... Yeah, Simmons, because he's just not going to play the big minutes and Noel as as well. Nick Stauskas, he'd been shooting well. He didn't today. Zero of six for zero points. Did have five assists, which is something he came out of Michigan being able to do is pass the ball. The Lakers and the Raptors, just an absolute smashing. But the positive here is Brandon Ingram. And I have talked about him quite a lot lately. Nothing happened defensively, but 17 and six on eight of 16 shooting, which is great. The minutes are there. He's going to be starting for at least the next month, and you wouldn't be surprised if he just stuck in this starting 30-plus minute role. I still don't think that he is an absolute must-own guy, but I've been mentioning it for a week or so that in leagues where you can afford your guys to maybe be inactive on the bench, then you should be grabbing him, and you should be—you absolutely need to do that. And even in, a, say, a 12-team league now, for this short period of time, uh, daily changes, you can afford to have Ingram and just see where it goes because it is definitely trending in the right direction. Julius Randle wasn't his best night, 8 of 8, I'm sorry, 8 and 8 in uh, 22 minutes, while Larry Nance, he suffered he suffered a knee injury as well, knee contusion, 6 and 6 for Nance in 23 minutes, if you're only in a 12-team league, I don't, it doesn't appear to be a, a severe injury, but anything can happen with a, with a knee, obviously, so we need to uh, check on that to make sure that he's okay moving forward. Louis Williams, 13 points on 14 shots. The field goal percentage regression kicks in. And uh, Jordy Clarkson, 14 in 31 minutes, two steals and just the one assist. He just had four of 15 shooting as well. It wasn't a good night for the majority of the Lakers guys. On to the Raptors. Kyle Lowry was crazy. Eight of 12 for 24 points, six triples, seven assists and a steal. Fantastic stuff there. No one needed to play big minutes, and this was a risk with these Raptors guys. 16-4-6 and six with two steals for DeRozan. Not an efficient night there. And we had Jonas Valanciunas just 6-7 and seven in 24 minutes. Again, no one needed to play big minutes, but we got an impressive Bebe night. 13-3 and three for Bebe in 18 minutes, two steals and two blocks. I do like Bebe, but I just don't believe that his minutes are going to be big enough in most situations to, to justify ownership outside of, say, a 16-team league. Corey Joseph was a nice uh, with Lowry limited with his minutes due to the blowout, 14-2-4 for Joseph. And Pat Pat, seven boards, you know, pro- providing nice, decent 12-team value. My boy Norm Powell, he got the start with Damari Carroll resting, 16-7 and seven in 32 minutes for Powell, two triples, two assists. How Dwayne Casey can't find a spot in the rotation for Powell on most nights is one of the more confusing situations of the season. You know that I'm very big on Powell and the fact that he goes, and let's start you, Norman, play you 32 minutes and you be a really key part of things. But then on other nights, you just don't play at all. 
it's it's weird. I don't think he's really had any struggle whatsoever with anything he's done so far. But he's uh, you know, just struggles to get into the rotation most nights. Weird stuff. But in the end, it was a smashing by the Raptors. The Wolves and the Knicks, my boy Cole Aldrich, this is what he can do. 27 minutes for Aldrich, 10 and 12, two steals and three blocks. The 27 minutes is key. Last year, he was racking up massive rebounding numbers, big steals, big blocks, big percentages in limited minutes. He's got less minutes this season, which was a, is a bother to me because I thought he could have played some more, and I think he can be useful to this team. Whether that continues moving forward, I've got no idea. This was a, a weird situation where yeah, Thibodeau had to had to limit what Jeng did. He played only the 18 minutes, Jeng, and that gave Aldrich more playing time. Bielitsa had 17, 7, and 3, a good night there as well. And Zaki Levine, 23 in 40 minutes. He is playing an absolute mountain of minutes, Levine. And it's no surprise when you're a wing and you play under Tom Thibodeau, that's just what happens. Andy Wiggins, 19 points in 36 minutes for Wigo, three rebounds and four assists. So the assist, he's getting a few bunches of four now, which is obviously better than what he'd been doing prior to that. Uh, a struggle for Rick Rubio again. He played in the fourth quarter. He played 30 minutes, so that's a positive there. But three points, three rebounds, six assists and a steal. I know you're not. That's That's not great. I still believe that Rubio is a guy that you're holding in all leagues, but it's a clear struggle at this point. On to the Knicks. Mallow, 29, 5, and 3. Three steals, five triples. You love that. No Joakim Noah, no Courtney Lee. So he had Justin Holiday get the start, and he was fantastic. 31 minutes for Holiday, 13 and 7 with two triples, three steals, and a block. We've seen him do this a couple of times this season. It's not altogether reliable. We don't know how... How long Lee's going to be out? It doesn't appear to be a long-term thing. Holiday would purely be a streaming type of guy. Really nice Derek Rose night. 9 of 15 for 24 points. Only 6 of 10 from the line, which is not ideal, but 5 rebounds, 5 assists, getting some good numbers there. And it wasn't a great uh, Pozingas night. 2 of 12. Pozingas. Thank you, Stephen. 2 of 12 for 11 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 blocks, 2 triples. So still helping out even on a night when the shot isn't falling. Um, Brandon Jennings also struggled. This is a good opportunity for Jennings to to step into some minutes with Lee out. He played only 19, had only two points, but did facilitate well, having eight assists. So that obviously helps you in that category. He is a borderline 12-team league guy at the moment. Sacramento at Boston. Boogie just doing what he does. 28 and 9, three assists, two triples, a steal and four blocks, and 10 of 26 from the field. So that's uh, you know, this, the... Standard frustration with Demarcus Cousins. The frustration with uh, Darren Collison is building. Ty Lawson is struggling, but he's taking minutes away. 21 minutes for Lawson, 8-3 and 4, while Collison played just 28 and went 13 with 3 assists and 2 steals. He's still a guy you're owning, Collison, but not realizing his full potential with the way that uh, Dave Yeager is using Ty Lawson. Rudy Gay, 13-8-3, just really stock solid numbers. Whereas the two starters who really shouldn't be starters, Costa Kufos and Aaron Aflalo, 17 minutes for Aflalo, 9 minutes for Kufos. Because Matty Barnes, this is the game that I've been telling you about with Barnes. 12 and 16, a 3, 2 steals, and a block. He was only 3 of 11 from the field, so it wasn't fueled by hot shooting. He was contributing in every area, and that's what the Barnes that I know can do. The problem is that he just has been so poor at that the last couple of games. He's always got this ability, and he can be a 12-team league guy, and he should definitely be on your watch list at least or or, or added to teams because he is going to play this 27- to 30-minute role 
depending on how how each game goes as to how active he gets though and that that's the confusing part we also saw Omri Caspi play 27 minutes with Kufos limited to 9 7 and 5 for Caspi I like what Caspi can do if he's in a, a better situation he's just not at this point for the Celtics Avery Bradley 15 and 9 decent performance there with two steals Jay Crowder was good as well 16 3 and 3 and he played 37 minutes so that's a huge positive. And Isaiah Thomas had 23 and 7 with two steals, but it took him 21 shots to get there. The big men, Wakeli Olinik, back to 17 minutes, 2 and 5. And this is what I talked about the last time when he put up a big performance is that he's going to play so sporadically that you just don't, you can't trust when it's going to happen. I still think he's a good player, but he is not going to get the playing time that, that he needs. Amir Johnson started, played 15 minutes. We had minutes for Jonas Jerepko. We had some Tyler Zeller in there. We had some Jalen Brown. We had James Young get playing time. And we had Marcus Smart struggle. Three points with just three assists and a block. A lot of people will be ready to drop Smart. I, I'm not, but I can totally understand it. He is probably the worst player on your team. So if you need to make a move, if you want to stream it in, he is going through a pretty significant slump at the moment and is not in the same sort of spot that he was in before that or when, when Jay Crowder was injured. Cleveland and Chicago. LeBron normally does really well against Chicago. He was not fantastic, but he was okay. 27-5 and 13. No real other peripheral stats, though, in a, in a loss for Cleveland. Love, 15-9 and nine with three triples. And Kyrie, um, the 26-8 and eight with a steal. So good nights from their, their big guys. Not much else happening in Cleveland, though. J.R. Smith actually hit some shots. He had nine points, including three triples, and that's a real start there. But he is not a 12-team league guy in my mind. And really not much else happening with Cleveland. They ran just on a back-to-back, just an eight-man rotation. Channing Fry off the bench played 21 and scored 11, hitting a three. But he is really just a three-point streaming specialist, and, and that's probably about it for Fry. Onto the Bulls. Oh, Rajon Rondo, triple-double. He's playing well at the moment. I I give people credit even when I don't think that they're good players, and that's Rondo. 15, 11, and 12, three steals, one block, one triple, and was 7 of 12 from the field. Really getting things done. Still has his defensive issues a lot of the time, but the team is winning at the moment, and he is playing somewhat of a part. Taj Gibson was fantastic as well. 40 minutes for Taj. That's a huge amount of playing time. 23, 11, and 5 with a steal, while Butler went 26, 8, 6 with three steals and two blocks in a massive performance in 42 minutes. Dwayne Wade, he was always in line for a big one against uh, LeBron, and he was. He did it again. 24, 5, and 4 with two steals. He's going to sit out on Saturday, and that's going to allow Nick Muratich to have an opportunity, I would guess. Last time Wade sat, Muratich started and was great. Just the 22 for Muratich on one of nine shooting. Two points, eight rebounds, two steals, one block. He can still do it, and I think he's going to be a good DFS option and a good stream option for Saturday's games if you've got that spot. Robin Lopez didn't block eight shots again. I'm sure you're surprised. 26 minutes for Lopez, 10 and 5. That's probably getting close to more what you should expect on a nightly basis from Lopez. Detroit and Atlanta, man, I don't know. An absolute killing. Detroit just killed them. It was... It was ugly. It was almost 40 points in the end. Johnny Lua got really hot. Five of six shooting. Hit four triples. 16 points and nine boards. A solid 12-team league guy with without much upside, though. Although this is a good performance, clearly. Toby Harris had 18 and seven with two blocks. You love that. Contavious Core Pope has really stepped it up. 23 and eight. Five triples and a steal. No assists. Um, he might lose a bit when Reggie Jackson comes back in the next couple of days. But huge performance there as well. Ish Smith was good. Amazingly, 11, 5, and 13 for Ish. 
He will remain the starter when Jackson comes back, at least for a couple of games, I would imagine, and then Jackson will be eased in. He won't be the starter long-term, in case I caused any confusion there, but he will probably still start for the first couple. So don't, when you see you know, Reggie Jackson's coming back and he's coming back off the bench, I wouldn't look at it and go, okay, Ish is keeping this job full-time. I don't think there's any way that that's happening, but that is likely how they'll ease back into things. Marcus Morris, this is the Marcus Morris that I know, 12 points on 12 shots, not much else in 29 minutes. You know, sure, he's an ownable guy, but his upside is, is extraordinarily low. Darren Hilliard in the game ahead of Stan Johnson again, and in a game that they won by 40 points, we got under four minutes of Stan Johnson. His career has tanked. I still believe in Johnson. I still believe he can get back from this. He is an ultimate buy-low dynasty guy. Onto the Hawks, they benched the starting five at halftime. There's not a lot to love unless you're a Dennis Schroeder person. 17-2-11 for Schroeder in 25 minutes. So that's a positive. There's nothing else that's positive. Paul Millsap did not play. Kent Bazemore was dreadful. Tarbo was was bad. Dwight Howard scored two points. Mike Muscala at least scored. The last time that Paul Millsap was out, he didn't. He had 11 points in his 24 minutes. Nothing to be gained by looking at this, except that Mike Budenholzer said he's looking to shake up the starting lineup. Now, does that mean that Kyle Korver comes off the bench? Does that mean that Bazemore comes off the bench? Who starts? Starbo? Probably. Tim Hardaway? Maybe. Torian Prince into the rotation? Who knows what it means exactly, but there's definitely some changes afoot in Atlanta. Does it mean you need to go and grab anyone or anything like that? And look, if Hardaway replaces Korver, he's not going to be a must-own guy. If Tarbo replaces Korver, he's not going to be a must-own guy, but obviously... Corver's not a must-own anyway, but if Bazemore moves to the bench, then then his ability to be retained is going to be uh, fairly limited, I would say. The Clippers and the Pelicans. Clippers, another huge win here, two in a row after a disappointing three-game losing streak. Chrissy Paul, 17-8-13, that's big. What's going on with Luke Marmute? 15-5 with three triples, two steals, and two blocks. What is going on with this guy? He is putting up some big numbers. He is a much-improved player this season. I still think that he's only a 16 to 18 team league guy, but he's getting a lot of steals. He's hitting some threes. He's scoring, you know, instead of four points a game, he's scoring six or seven points a game. It's a big change. And seven points isn't really helping you that much, but four points versus seven, it might make him more palatable, even on like a 14 team league with his ability to get steals and block some shots and knock in some corner threes. Really impressed with, with Marmute this season. Blakey Griffin, a big night for him, second night of a back-to-back. To do that, 27-10 and 10 with two blocks is a fantastic effort. Two blocks for DeAndre as well with 13 boards. And Jamal Crawford, he stepped up and played 29 minutes with JJ Redick out, and uh, and he had 21 points. Now, Redick was resting in this one on a back-to-back, so they started Ray Felton, 12 points with three assists and two triples for Felton. He's just solid, he's steady, and he's a deep, deep league guy who, if for some reason he had to be forced into a role like this moving forward, you would, you would want to look at him in all 14-teamers, and even consider it in 12-team leagues. Paul Pierce in the rotation again ahead of Wes Johnson. Just that continues to be weird. Not a great Anthony Davis night. Hopefully you faded him in DFS because he had to leave the court with a shoulder issue. He came back on. He said it was some sort of weird muscle injury under his shoulder. He returned to the court. He ended up with 32 minutes, so everything looks to be okay. Still put up numbers, 21-6-4 with a steal and a block, but not enough to reach that 12,000-plus value on FanDuel. Drew Holiday, not a good night for him. Timmy Frazier continues to not be really that great at the moment. 8-2-8 and eight in 31 minutes for Frazier. He should be clearly in your drop zone on your chopping block and, and be ready to move on. Terrence Jones got 29. He had 14-9 and nine in his 29 minutes. He's as up and down as they come. And again, if he's on your team, 
If he's not the worst player on your team, he's going to be the second worst. So, yeah, his upside can be high, but his situation is not allowing that upside to be realized on most, most nights. This was a night that Anthony Brown played 25 minutes as well. So, that's obviously a, a little bit of a weird situation that a guy like Brown is playing as many minutes as possible. All those minutes are going to Tyreek Evans when he comes back. The Wizards and the Spurs. Marching Gortat, 42 minutes with no Jan Mihinmi. This, this is your sell high time. 21 and 18 with two steals and two blocks. It is a monster, monster performance from Gortat, but it, it is not happening. It is not continuing. Otto Porter continues to just defy all logic. 15 and 12 on 60% shooting with four steals. I, I said that, yeah, potentially he's a, a sell high guy. I don't even know anymore because he just continually does it and continually does it. And you have to think that at some point, maybe it is just real. It's confusing though. Johnny Wall, 17, 2 and 15 with three steals. And Brad Beal played 30 minutes. So that is a huge relief that his minutes were down and it was a close game. 23 points for Beal, no other stats at all. Hopefully you've sold him off in that top 20 value. I don't know if you, you got that, but hopefully you're able to do it. He hit five triples and did nothing else. Markeith Morris played through that twisted ankle, 38 minutes. So he's clearly fine, 12, 4 and 3 with a block. I believe he is a guy that you want to own. And after two strong straight games, Kelly Oubre only the 13 minutes for four points, showing that he's a little a little bit away from being a 12-team league guy. The Spurs, they brought uh, they brought their players back. Kawhi, 23 and five with two assists, two steals, and two triples. A nice efficient night from Kawhi. Tone actually, Tone Parker was still out with a knee problem. Um, actually, a quad quad contusion. Sorry, my mistake. So Patty Mills played 28 minutes, 10, four, and eight for Mills. He, he has recently thrived with with uh, Parker out of the lineup. M- Manu was great as well, 13 with seven assists. And the start went to Nicholas Lapravatola, who played 20 minutes, had seven points, three assists, and a steal. And that's Pop's modus operandi. He will start Lapravatola and then give Mills the majority of minutes off the bench. Lamarcus Aldridge, still not really cracking it at the moment. 19 and five for Aldridge with a block, and you'd be happy to know that I executed a trade in a in a redraft league. I think it's my second this season. I traded away Aldridge, and I got back George Hill. I think you know, relatively fair. You know, different different categories, different needs. I was relatively happy with it. Just you know, just you know, let, let's mix it up a bit. My team was was sliding a little bit. I had a lot of a lot of uh, my point guard guys were injured, and there we go. And now George Hill's got a busted toe, but let's hope that doesn't keep him out too long. Very disappointed to see Dwayne Dedman get limited to just eight minutes with foul trouble. Had zero points and four boards, but you know that I'm a big Dedman fan. Houston at Denver. This is a monster win for Houston. They have looked very, very good so far this season. They've had a very tough schedule. They've been on the road the most out of every team. They just beat the Warriors on the road in a double overtime game. Back-to-back in Denver, in altitude, take out the Nuggets by 18 points. They have been very, very good. Trevor Ariza, 16-7-3 with five steals and four triples. Huge game, but did have to leave the game at the end with a leg injury. Let's hope that that's okay. Back-to-back big ones from Ryan Anderson as well, 18-6 and six with four triples. He did only play 25 minutes, but I guess it's because the game was uh, was a little bit out of hand that he was able to rest. Jimmy Harden, 26-7, a triple one. That's not a great performance, but it's you're still pretty happy with it. Clinty Capella, 13 and 10, and Pat Bev, 11, 3 and 6. What about my boy, Sam Decker? 28 minutes for Decker, 17 and 4, a triple one. Man, this guy, he's, he's climbing. He is absolutely climbing up, and I wouldn't put it past you to grab him in a 12-team league just to see where it goes. The path to consistent big minutes is, is tough. There was still no Nene in this game who rested for the second game in a row. 
but Decker has been ridiculously impressive. He's more impressive than Corey Brewer. He's more impressive than Montrez Harrell. He's more impressive than Ryan Anderson, I believe, a lot of the time. He is flying up to me, and there's a real chance that he is a top 120 guy by the end of the year. It's not a strong chance, but there is a there is a definite chance. Like, I can look at a guy like KJ McDaniels and go, there's no chance of that happening. With Sam Decker, there is, and he continues to gain in confidence. And you see the guys that string together consistent performances. It takes D'Antoni a little bit of time, but the confidence with D'Antoni grows. And it happened with Clint Capella, and it's happening with Sam Decker at the moment. Really, really flying at the moment. Love to see it. On the Nuggets, no Nick Jokic. So Yusuf Nurkic had an opportunity, and he didn't take it. 20 minutes for, for Nurkic, 10-7 and seven with two steals and a block. And I say he didn't take it. Those stats are still good. But when there is literally no other center on the roster and you play 20 out of 48 minutes, there is something wrong. Nurkic can be moved on from in most 12-team leagues, assuming you have a viable pickup to add instead. Wilson Chandler had 24-4-2 with three triples, continues on his great year, while the Rooster went 16-5. and five. Ken Fareed, double-double. He only played the 23 minutes. So we got Ken Fareed. We've got Darrell Arthur out there playing some center. We had uh, some some Wancho playing eight minutes out there. Now, Will Barton came back. You know I'm not a Will Barton fan, but to come back from an ankle injury, play 33 minutes and go 17-7-5, that's very impressive. The fact that they played him that many minutes um, means that he's going to have this 30-minute or so role, at least until Gaz Harris returns. So, sure, he's a guy to own now. Long-term, he won't be because you know, Jamal Murray will start to eat into the minutes a bit more and Harris will be back, and that will limit what Barton can do. But Murray played 17 here. Jameer Nelson went down to 19. Barton straight back in, played 33. And that's you know, a really good performance. He's going to be streaky, and he's going to die when we get into... I hope he doesn't die. Literally, his value is going to die off once we head into you know, mid mid January or so. But uh, a real nice performance in the first game back from uh, from Big Willie Barton. All right, that is the end of the games from what day? Friday. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back to talk DFS for Saturday. DFS lineups now for Friday on Fangio, Rajon Rondo 51.2 and Johnny Wall 44.9. Both of those guys were in decent spots. The Wall one against San Antonio wasn't brilliant, but he was still a pretty decent guy to look at. Shooting guards, Willie Barton. No way I would have touched him, so I you know, wouldn't have got the perfect lineup here. 32.9. Or Contavious Pope went 34.6. Small forward, Matty Barnes 42.7. I'm all, forever extolling the virtues of Matty Barnes. 
just hasn't really uh, hasn't come together for me with him so far this year, but it did today. Jimmy Barnes, fifty. Jimmy Barnes, <laughs> shout out to shout out to Barnesy. Jimmy Butler, fifty three point six. Power forwards, Blakey Griffin, forty seven, and Taj Gibson at forty four point seven. I believe both those guys were some recommended picks from yesterday. And Al Horford at fifty five point one. Did not expect him to be that that big. Four hundred and six point seven is the total for that perfect lineup on Fanjul. On DraftKings, Chrissy Paul, forty nine and a half. Jim Butler, 54.5. Barnsey, 46.5. Taj Gibson, 47.25. Horford at 58. Rondo at 58.25. 43.75 points worth of cock. And Marching Gortat at 55 for a total of 412 and 75 points. All right, let's, uh, let's get stuck into these games and start banging them out as quickly as we can without, without skimping on information, of course. The Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are favored by 10. They uh, they hammered the Nets in the last game. So many instances of this happening this season. This is the fourth or fifth time this season this has happened where teams have played the same team two games in a row. And here's obviously another one of them. This one's back in Milwaukee here. Let's look at the point guard matchup. Daly had his minutes limited the last time they played, only played 24. He is at 4,000. He's a little bit risky with the way that Kidd runs the rotation. At 4,000, though, I don't completely hate using Dallavadova, but I'm probably you know, not relying upon him. He's more of a, a tournament-type guy. Malcolm Brogdon, he played more minutes than Daly in the last game. He's at 3,700. I just don't believe his upside's high enough to take a punt on him in a tournament. While Isaiah Whitehead's playing minutes, but it's not really turning into huge production. So he, he's far from a, uh, a great play. Shooting guard, love Giannis. 10,004. Who doesn't love Giannis? 10,400 for Giannis. Does anybody not like him? I don't think it's possible. Yeah, people will say, I don't like Steph Curry. I don't like James Harden. I can't stand LeBron. KD's a loser. Who who dislikes Giannis? If anyone listening to this podcast dislikes Giannis, please let me know. And why? I don't think there's anybody that, that dislikes him. And it's very rare for maybe because he hasn't ascended to true superstar status yet, but nobody dislikes Giannis. Nobody. Anyway, I love him here. 10,400 for Compo. On the flip side here, Trev, not Trev Booker, Sean Kilpatrick. That's the shooting guard for Brooklyn. 5,600 for Kilpatrick. He dropped back a little bit in the last game against Milwaukee, and that's probably more realistic. 5,600 just feels, it just feels a touch too high. I don't, Love it. He does have the ability to go big, so that does make him a tournament play, but he's far from a cash game reliable sort of guy. Small forward, Mick Beasley at 37, Tone Snell at 37. Both of those guys can give you 25 points, but they're far from reliable targets either. And Boyan Bogdanovich is always a guy that can drop 40 or could drop five. That's just what he can do. He's at 4,200. I would really, really struggle to use him in a cash game on most days. Not using Rondé Hollis-Jefferson really at all. He's at 3,900. Um, and coming off the bench with unsure minutes, it's really tough. Power forward, Jabari Parker. Still waiting on that non, non-restricted non area paint jumper to go in. 6,400. Eh, look, the matchup's good. He was okay against Brooklyn last time. 30 points. And 30 points at 6,400 is not far away from where you want it to be. Back at home, it, it could work out. So I'd, I'd, I'm not completely off using Jabari Parker. Trev Booker at 5,800. Sure, a little bit quiet in the last game, only the 23 points, but getting 26 or 27 out of Booker has been basically his middle name for most of this season. Trevor, Trevor Booker, 27 point. Trevor, 27 point Booker. It's an awkward uh, birth certificate to fill out, I'm sure, for his parents. At center, well, you've got options. We've got Johnny Henson, who is now averaging 31 over the last three. 
He appears to be steady-ish around 24 minutes and maybe go higher. At 4,400, you absolutely have to consider John. Greg Munro at 4,500. Well, he can put up 25 points in 20 minutes. Um, Will he get 20 minutes? That's the concern. He was a little bit quiet in the last game. Obviously, out of those two, I'm taking Henson, but I'm not totally discounting Munro. Brookie Lopez at 7,200 just consistently feels $500 too overpriced in most spots, and I think it's the same sort of situation here. Just a quick note, the Brooklyn Nets did sign Donatus Montiunas to an offer sheet, a two-year, uh, sorry, a four-year $37 million contract with the last two years non-guaranteed. The Rockets have 72 hours to decide whether to match that. If he signs in Boston, I, Boston he's not signing in Boston, if he signs in Brooklyn, I don't think that has any impact on Brook Lopez. I don't even think it has a massive impact on Trevor Booker. It's going to eliminate Luis Scholar out of the rotation, and it's going to reduce what Justin Hamilton can do. He'll probably play a 20-22 minute role off the bench behind Booker and Lopez, and that's going to make him like 16-team, 14-team sort of situation. If Houston signs, I don't think it has any impact on Capella. I don't think. I think it takes some away from Nene. It obviously hurts Montrez Harrell. Um, and I don't even think it has much of an impact on Sammy Decker, to be honest. So his fantasy value is going to be higher in Brooklyn than it would be in Houston. Let's just see what Murray and the Houston Rockets do with that contract. All right, let's move on to the next game. We're talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Charlotte Hornets. We're in Charlotte for this one. The, t- the Hornets are favored by six and a half, and the total is 207 points. The only injury to really look at here is Brandon Rush, who is questionable with a toe injury. But that doesn't matter because he's not impacting us really at all. Let's look at point guards. Rick Rubio at 5,600 hasn't fallen enough on FanDuel. He is a pass to me. Kemba Walker at 8,300 does well normally against Minnesota, but has not really been, and I don't know why his salary has gone up by 300 bucks, but does not really, or isn't really getting to that 40-point barrier much. He's playing well, but not getting to that 40-pointer. So I think both point guards are stay-away guys here. Shooting guards, Zachy Levine at 6,000. I just think it's solid. It's a good matchup for him. He's getting a mountain of minutes. He's averaging 30 over the last five. I feel pretty confident in saying Zach Levine is going to be a really red-hot show of giving me 30 points. For the Hornets, Jeremy Lamb, no, probably not. Yeah, He's had some decent performances. He's at 4,100, but there's been so many fluky things about it that I just don't really buy into it here. Nick Batum at 6,700. His production's been a little bit down. Um, don't don't love it here. I just think that the uh, the way that Timberwolves have been defending the wings has been positive. Um, and, and by positive, I mean positive for Minnesota, restricting the impact that that wings can have a lot of the time. And Batum has been a little bit off in terms of getting that 34, 35 point production. I just don't think it's a good spot for him. Small forward Andy Wiggins. Wiggins at six thousand. It's similar to that Zach Levine spot. Six thousand. 30 points. It feels comfortable. It feels like he can do it. The Michael Kidd-Gilchrist defense factor is a little bit of a concern for Wigo. So if I'm spending 6000 on Wigo or Zaki, I'll probably take Levine out of those two guys. As for Kidd-Gilchrist at 5200 that's priced four, 500 bucks, Too expensive, so I'll leave him out of it. Same with Shabazz or Marco Bellinelli. Power forwards, Frank the Tank Kaminsky, man. He's been terrible the last two games. Has not hit a shot. Not true. He's hit one shot in two games, missed 14 of them. That will clearly not continue to be the case. He's at 4,300. Marvin Williams is still out. He's going to get minutes if the shot falls. If he's, you know, I have criticized coaches in the past. You know, if you're not if you're not hitting your shots, why? You know, they drag guys straight away. This is not a Fred Hoiberg, Nick Miritich situation. This is a case where a guy 
is continually not hitting shots for massive stretches of the game. But I think if Kaminsky comes out and is solid in the first quarter, then he'll get 29, 30 minutes. And at 4,300, he, he should comfortably get that value. I don't have confidence in it, but I think that he's still... I'm okay going back to the well more than one time with a guy like Frank Kaminsky. Gorgie Jeng is very risky at $6,000. I won't go there. And Nimanya Bielitsa had a good one today. He's at minimum salary, so that's always appealing. But yeah, that is surely just a tournament bet that we, we don't really know when that's going to take place. At center, Cody Zeller, 4,500. It looks great. Uh, the projections look good. He's been a bit down in production recently. I I, st- I think that it's a good spot for Zeller. Though. I, th- I think that he can put up some okay numbers. As for Carl Anthony Towns at 9,400, feels a, feels a tad tough. He won the Young Gun of the Night today and put up 33 DFS points. And that's far from what you want at 9,400. Not something I'm keen on. Aldrich was brilliant today. He put up 37 today, Cole Aldrich. He's at minimum salary. Do we trust that again? You know what? If Thibodeau says, all right, we need to get this guy into the game more, I can understand yeah, formulating one lineup with Aldrich in it, but unless we hear something out of uh, out of Thibodeau, I don't think you can really rely upon that as being something that's uh, yeah, likely to repeat itself, which is unfortunate because I do like Cole Aldrich a lot. Boston and Philadelphia... The Celtics will not have to trust the process in this one. There is no spread released just yet. Embiid is out. Jared Bayless is listed as questionable with left wrist soreness, and Bob Cove has his left knee sprain. He is questionable as well. So a few situations for us to look at. Let's start with the point guards. Bayless, we don't know if he's ready to go. At 3,700, if he plays, I would be absolutely fine putting him into a GPP and seeing what goes on. As for Isaiah Thomas, he's almost in that Kemba Walker situation where you're just struggling to get to, to 40 points, but he's at 8,100. Um, he's averaging 37 over the last three. He's not far away, and the matchup is quite a good one. Now, it's a back-to-back for both teams. If it was, say, not a back-to-back for Boston, and it was in Boston, I'd say maybe they limit Thomas in a blowout. I think at home, the Sixers have got a real chance of keeping it close enough that Thomas has to play you know, pretty regular, maybe even elevated minutes, and that might enable him to get to 40. So, I can see a I can see a reason for using Isaiah. If Bayless is out, then Sergio Rodriguez is uh, is is an option. He's at 4,400. He's giving you about 24 points in the last couple of starts, which is almost sort of right on the money. Not a bad cash guy point guard to try and help get you through. I guess is the best way of putting it. Shooting guard Avery Bradley at 6,500. Look, a decent game today. Didn't quite reach value. I just don't. I'm not. Not keen on using him at that price. Gerald Henderson, Marcus Smart, Source Castillo, Hollis Thompson. If if Bob Covey's out, a guy like Hollis Thompson or Stauskas might have to play and, and start, and then move Gerald Henderson to the three. And if one of those guys starts, you would absolutely have a look in a GPP. But in a tournament, I wouldn't feel confident with it. As for Covington... We don't know if he's playing at this point. He would He's always a fine tournament guy to look at. And Jay Crowder at 5,300, love that at that price. I think there's every chance in the world in a positive matchup for him. He gets to 27, 28, 30, 32 points. That is, that's not a stretch at all for, for big Jay Crowder. For power forwards, Rishon Holmes, no Joel Embiid. So Holmes is going to get his 20 minutes and he produces. He's Over the last five games, he's giving you 45 points per 36 minutes. That's a pretty significant amount. You get 20 minutes, you get 24 points, 23 points, and at 3,800, your value's been returned. So I do like him there. Sharich and Ilyasova, 
Sharage put up zero points today. That's a pretty significant effort. I wouldn't be using either of those two guys. Very tough to trust. And speaking of tough to trust, Amir Johnson and Jonas Shirepko are clearly in that same boat. As for centers, Jali Lokafor playing well at 4,400 as the starting center with no restrictions. I think that he can easily get you back $4,400 worth of value. Al Horford at 73. Will he drop another 55? That's unlikely. Um, will he get you 34? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I'm not loving it, but I definitely think that he can be used. I would uh, you know, I would rather take a guy like Okafor and, and spend that 3000 somewhere else. But say I've got that 3000 up my sleeve, then you're fine taking Horford. I think that 34, 35 is, is a pretty decent sort of expectation for him. Where are we now? We've got the Atlanta Hawks. They take on the Toronto Raptors. No spread released here. Uh, Paulie Millsap is out for this one already. He's been ruled out. So we don't know exactly what Mike Budenholz is going to do. As I mentioned, he threatened changes to the lineups. He already changed it for last game starting Thabo over Mike Muscala. The guy I do like is Dennis Schroeder. He only played 25 minutes today. Still had 35 points. He's averaging 34 over the last five. He's priced at 5,900 on FanDuel. Very hard to complain about that sort of a pricing. So Schroeder, fine to go for me. The defense of, of Kyle Lowry is a bit of a concern, but yeah, Schroeder's got a bit of a buffer between projection or production and salary, and that, that enables me to consider him. As for Lowry, 8,400. He's in the Thomas, he's in the Kemba Walker situation where it just feels like it's just four, five hundred dollars too expensive. He had a good game today, put up 37 points. That's not quite $8,400 worth. The matchup is a real positive for Lowry, but how confident are you that he gets 42? I don't think you should be overly confident with it. Um, shooting guards. Kyle Korver, no, we're not, not touching him. DeMar DeRozan at 8,900. Yeah, fine, he's just... He's just not, I'm not loving it for, for DFS, for DeRozan at this moment. And Timmy Hardaway, if they decide to, to shake things up, I could definitely look at Hardaway in a GPP, but not in a cash game. At small forward, Kent Bazemore is very, very tough to rely upon. He had 13 points today. He's In his last five games, he's had a, a nine-pointer, and he's had a 38-pointer. This is the, the way that he goes. He, he struggles, and that, both those games were in the same amount of minutes. He does struggle a lot at times, and against a Toronto team, it, it's not making me feel great about Bazemore's value. Damari Carroll should be back for this game. That's eliminating anything, any value for Norm Powell and any, any real chance for Terrence Ross. As for Carroll at 4,300, I think you absolutely have to consider him at that price against his former team. That is a very, very cheap price, even though his production hasn't been great, averaging just 20 across the last three. At 4,300, absolutely consider him. Tabo. Even if he starts 4,300, I would rather take Tamari Carroll. Power forwards, Mike Muscala at 3,900. Definitely a tournament guy, but has really, really struggled in these last couple of games with Paul Millsap out. Has, hasn't really been able to get that value back. But you, know, you, you could go back to that well and think that he can at least crack 20 points, which he hasn't in the last two games. For the Raptors power forwards, we're not looking at Siakam really. 4,400 for Pat Pat. His numbers have been okay for 9-cat, 8-cat leagues, standard seasonal stuff. But in DFS, I'm I'm just not all that interested at 4,400 on, on a day where there are 9 games on. At center, Dwighty Howard really not living up to it at this present stage. Had a great start to the year, but isn't at the moment. 7,800 for Dwight. No thanks. Jonas Valanciunas at 58. The matchup's a terrible one for him as well. So he is a, he is a stay away. All right, the next game we're going to take a look at, 
We've got the Los Angeles Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are favored by one. Yes, the Grizzlies are favored by one. It's a total of 203. There is no Zach Randolph. There is no Vince Carter. Obviously, James Ennis, Mike Conley, Chandler Parsons, Brandon Wright, they're all out for Memphis. As for the Lakers, Larry Nance Jr. is dealing with that right knee contusion. He is questionable to play. The point guards, Andy Harrison's salary has risen to 4,300 on FanDuel. He had 28 in the last game, though. So 28 at 4,300, you'd still take that. He's looked good these last two starts. I think he's absolutely fine to use at 4,900. Wadey Baldwin, no thanks. On the Lakers, Huertas and Calderon, that's not happening either. For the shooting guards, I like a bit here. I like Tone Allen at 4,000. I think he's going to, we know he's going to get some pretty consistent minutes. And to get 20 points out of Tone Allen is far from a stretch. Love that there. Louis Williams at 52. Had a not great day today, but you know, getting 25 out of Lou has been a fairly consistent phenomena for most of this season. So Lou Williams in play. Jordy Clarkson at 55, also worth a look. He's been a little bit down the last couple. Uh, the Tony Allen defense is uh, is somewhat of a, of a concern, but not enough to completely steer me clear. And 3,700 for Troy Daniels. Got red hot the last two games. Do I put any faith in that? No, I don't. But in a tournament, I can totally see why you'd throw him in there and hope to get 37 37? Hope to get 23 or 24 points at $3,700. Small forwards, Troy Williams, 37 as well. I would rather Williams over Daniels just because Williams is starting and he's playing more minutes. Yes, Daniels has been more productive in terms of his scoring over the last couple, but Williams is still getting that extra playing time that's that's working in his favor. Brandon Ingram, 4,000. Yep, absolutely. Fine. Go for it. He's averaging 24 over the last three. Dropped 26 today. The minutes are there. The production's ramping up. Absolutely fine to use him. For the um, for the power forwards, Jermichael Green at 47. Yeah, I, think, I just think that's 24 points-ish, and that's fine at 4,700, but that's sort of where he is. Like, I don't know how much higher he goes. Jarrell Martin at 35, I'm not that keen on, although he has been decent, but really not a high ceiling on Jarrell Martin. As for the Lakers, Nance with a knee, I'm not trusting that, and Julius Randle, he's just not a $6,600 player at this point, especially in this sort of a negative matchup, and if he has to get matched up on Marcus Gasol at times, it could be it could be bad. Speaking of Gasol, he's at 7100 fine, good matchup, he's been outproducing that in most games, absolutely no issue with using Marcus Gasol, and obviously Tariq Black and uh, Tim Mozgov, they're not going to really dent the scoring too much here. All right, we'll go to Chicago and Dallas. The Bulls are favored by four, and the total is a lackluster 189 points. I mentioned already that Dwayne Wade is out. We don't know the status of Seth Curry. He is questionable for Dallas at point guard. Rajon Rondo is at 5,900. As I mentioned earlier, Dallas does a really good job at stopping point guards, but Rondo has been playing at an elevated level I think that we get a pretty decent Rondo game. Now, the other thing that could happen here is that Carlisle hacks him. I think we might see that a little bit, and that could could limit what Rondo does and might make you just restrict him to tournaments, but I still think he's a pretty a, a pretty decent bet to get at least close-ish to 30 points. He's definitely not in as favorable position as he has been for the last couple of games. Isaiah Cannon, Darren Williams, yeah. I don't like Williams has been good, but at 5,700, he needs to be like 47 at this point for me to consider him a guy to to use. Wes Matthews at 4,800, just a tournament guy, I I believe. Um, 
Denzel Valentine will get some extra run, but probably not enough for us or not enough production for us to really consider him for DFS. The pencil at 6,100, yeah, that's that's fine. It's a good matchup for the pencil against Chicago. They do allow small forwards and power forwards to put up some pretty impressive numbers. So 6,100 for, for the pencil is fine to get you 30-plus points. He's giving you 32 anyway over the last three. So absolutely okay there. Justin Anderson, Jim Butler, we're not using Anderson. As for Butler, flying... Um, 8,800s may be pushing it a little bit, especially again in a slow-paced environment. I think he's uh, he's a likely fade to me. Power forward, Miritich at 4,200. This is assuming he starts. If he starts like he did the last time without Wade, I think we should easily be looking at 25 plus and at 4,200. That's exactly what you need to do. In a tournament, he might be very highly owned, so could be a fade situation, but watch him. 5,800 for Taj Gibson continually gives you that sort of value. You had 45 today, which is huge. Love using Taj at, at that price point, and Dwight Powell is always a risky bet. For the center position, Rob Lopez at 53. Let us down a little bit today. Has been a little bit under budget in the last couple of games, but I think that in this matchup at 5,300, yeah, for him to get to 25 is, is far from a stretch. And Bogut at 4,600. I like the matchup for Bogut as well. He had 26 in the last game. He's coming off a rest. Um, I think he's I think he's all right at 4,600 in a matchup with no Dirk Nowitzki. He can uh, he can definitely have an impact here, Bogut. Three games to go. Next up, we've got the Denver Nuggets taking on the Utah Jazz. We don't know if Nikola Jokic is going to play for Denver. We've got George Hill, he's doubtful for Utah, and Rod Hood is questionable with his hamstring. So they're the injuries for this game. We have got the uh, no spread released for this one. I guess we're just checking on the Hood and Jokic statuses before we uh, really start to get into it there. We're assuming that George Hill is out. Shelvin Mack had 25 points in the last game. He played the bulk of the minutes at point guard at 3,600. It is a risk because they might not start Mac, but given the way that Quinn Snyder has been handling Dante Exum re- recently, you'd have to be fairly confident that Mac's going to get the bulk of the minutes, and he is a better, a way better per minute production producer than what Exum is. So, yeah, fine at almost minimum salary for Mac, absolutely fine with using him. As for Manuel Mudiay, fifty-eight hundred, yeah. Nah, don't, I don't love the matchup. I think he could get really, really in a lot of trouble when he has to drive in against Gobert. Jamal Murray, Jameer Nelson, Dante Exum, none of those guys are, are, are really worth too much too much of a look. Willie Barton at 48 was uh, enormous today, as I mentioned. There's still somewhat of a risk, but I'm absolutely cool with using him. And 5,300 for Rod Hood, well, we don't know if he's playing, so he's obviously going to be a tough one to, to slot in. Small forward, the Rooster, 6,000. Been a little bit under budget the last couple. The matchup makes me probably steer clear there. As, whereas Gordy Hayward at 79, uh, flying. He's averaging 45 over the last three. Dropped a 50 in the last game, taking a lot of hoods and hills usage and putting it to good use. He is absolutely fine to use at that high price tag. And you should feel fairly confident of getting 40 points out of Haywood. He's got a pretty strong record against Denver in the past as well. Wilson Chandler at 6,300. That salary, it's a, it's a decent salary. Um, bounce back with a nice game today. You know, I think he's okay to use. I, I would rather go higher on Haywood or lower on Gallo. But absolutely fine. Chandler should be in your pool of guys that you're considering for lineups. Joey Ingles or Joey Johnson are the two guys who will likely replace Hood. Johnson had 28 at 3,700 in the last game. Sure, that is absolutely fantastic for DFS. And Ingles had 26 in his 26 minutes. Another guy in a tournament has an absolute right to be used. Power forwards, we've got Jokic. Hey, I'd love it if he played, 
but we don't know that at this point. I would I would consider him if he happened to play, but it's not a good matchup going up against Gobert, so even then, that, that makes it a tad risky. As for the Nuggets, Ken Fareed had 30 today. He's at 5,900. I just feel that's just marginally too high. And Trey Lyles at 4,200. Well, he had a nice game in the last one, but he still didn't crack 20 points. Not a DFS target of mine. Center, Gobert is at 7,000. Just really limiting what other people can do. Um... I think he's okay, but he's far from the best center option that's that's out there. And Yusuf Nurkic, look, I would give him another crack in a tournament if Jokic happens to be out. But if Jokic is playing, I don't think there's any way that you can look at Nurkic and go, yeah, you know what, he's the guy that I'm going to put my trust in for this matchup. Miami and Portland. The Blazers are favored by 6.5, and, and the total here is 214.5 points. Injuries. We don't know if Derek Williams is playing. He's questionable. He was also out of the rotation the game before his back injury. So whether he plays or not, we don't know. But we'd have to assume that with Luke Babbitt likely out, he's listed as doubtful. Williams would come back into the rotation. Neither of those guys are touching the fantasy sides, though. Joshy Richardson is also out, as is Justice Winslow. And on the Portland side, Al Farouk Amina is still out, but looking to return pretty soon from his calf injury. So he is another guy in standard leagues that you can look to grab and go with from there. Point guards, Goran Dragic at 7,100. He has been playing fantastically. How's the matchup of Dame Lillard suit you? Oh, I don't think it should be too much of a concern at all. Their Lillard and the Blazers have been a little bit better against um, point guards recently. I think that 7,100 for Dragic is, is a solid, fine price. I would rather spend that than, say, your eight three eight fours on Lowry, uh, Kemba, Isaiah Thomas, that trio of guys. On the uh, oh, Tyler Johnson, 51. Decent without a massive upside. I think that he is he is okay there. And Dame Lillard at 9,600. I, I, I don't like the matchup. Lillard is always quite variable in what he does. He um, he has struggled previously against Miami. I, I really I, I don't like it for Lillard here. In a tournament, sure. In a cash game, I feel like it's pretty suicidal. Shooting guards. Uh, Wayne Allington's been great since returning. The price is up to 4,300 though. And... He has been great, but he's averaging just 23 points. So do we expect him to be much better than what he was to to exceed that value? I reckon that's going to be tough. So he's probably not someone I'm that interested in. 75 for CJ McCollum. The matchup's horrible. His numbers have been good recently, but I really don't like using him here. Alan Crabbit and Scooter Magruder, we won't be looking at those guys. Small forward, you know I'm going to say Mo Harkless. He's at 5,100. You pretty much get 29 every night from Mo Harkless, so absolutely love that. And James Johnson at 5,000 is another great option on the Miami side of things who's been really, really solid for this team for, for most of the season. And Evan Turner's actually cranking his numbers up. Had 31 in the last game. He played well against Miami when he was a member of the Celtics. I think that at 4,500, you can absolutely pivot to Turner in a tournament and enable yourself to get a guy like a Jim Butler in or some other of these higher-priced players that you might be able to fit in if you go cheaper at the small forward position. Eddie Davis is starting. It's not meaning anything, though. He's at 3,600, sure, in a tournament, but really not, not, much, not much faith. Joshua McRoberts, the same story. He'll likely start again. And Myers Leonard, Derek Williams, there's not a lot to love with the power forwards. At center, love both these guys. Mason Plumley at 6,000. Yeah, the salary is rising. Not high enough, though. This is absolutely fine. You should be expecting 30. His, his lowest score over the last five has been 24. Uh, his highest is 42. He's yeah, he's just been consistently, and he should give you his 30. Hassan Whiteside's been down the last couple. Although, well, actually, that's not true. He was down the last game against Gobert. 
Um, Plumley versus Gobert is a little bit of a different story. He's done really well against Portland in the past. He's at 8,600. I'd rather spend my 8,600 on Whiteside than, say, on one of those point guards that I mentioned earlier. So very, very interested in Hassan here. One more game to go, and it's the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. The last time these two teams played when Golden State traveled to Phoenix, the Suns really took it up to them, took it up to them really hard in the first quarter. Um, really fast-paced. The Warriors got it going after that, but they did take it up to them early. The Warriors are favored by 16.5. That is a huge margin. The total is 230. It's at home. Um, that, that, that puts some concern in a few of these Warriors guys. Now, the matchup is really good for them. So even if they don't play 35, 36 minutes and get just 33, they put themselves in decent positions. Steph Curry at 9,500. He can easily go out and drop 9, yeah, 45 points on the Suns. I think that he's a, a, a pretty decent guy to take a look at. As for Dur- uh, not, well, not Durant, we'll get to him in a second. Eric Bledsoe on the flip side, 8,100. He's obviously been playing very well. A little bit of a down performance in the last game, but I'm okay with considering Bledsoe. He's, again, in that $8,000 point guard bracket with those other play- blokes that I talked about earlier. For the shooting guards, Clay's at 6,000. Feel more, I don't think that Clay is quite as susceptible to a cut in minutes at that lower salary. His shooting was obviously horrible against Houston, and you'd have to think that he has somewhat of a bounce back here. Brandon Knight had 33 in the last game, put zero faith in that. He's at 4,300. I would look at him in a tournament only because he does have upside. I don't think I'd look at Devin Booker really anywhere. He's at 5,900. The salary just hasn't come down far enough for me to feel a huge amount of confidence in him. And Barbosa, McCaw, and Clark, they're not going to be of use. Small forward PJ Tucker's at 4,100. He's not bad for cash at this point. He's averaging 21.5 over the last three. Just some solid, consistent numbers without very much upside. He's far from a, a... a great option. It was Kevin Durant at 10500 The salary is pretty big, and there is a blowout risk. But 10500 I think Durant can get 50 in 30 minutes. I don't think that's, I don't think that's saying or trying to stretch him too much. Power forwards, Dudley's at 3800 I think that Dudley's not a bad play here because the Warriors might force the Suns to, to not have Alex Len to not have Tyson Chandler out on the floor for big amounts of minutes, and that might mean more Dudley out there. So 3,800, I think Dudley's one of the sneaky tournament punt options that are out there. Draymond's at 8,000. Same story for Curry, same story for Durant. Draymond had a massive 54 in that game against Houston, and he's one of the more more appealing, uh, expensive power forwards. Alex Len, not a good matchup. I won't be looking at him. And Marquise Chris and David West, not interesting. At center, Zaza, Tyson Chandler, you can do better than both of those guys. All right, let's look now at the picks of the day before we wrap this up. On Fangio, Andy Harrison, 43, Dennis Schroeder, 59, and Steph at 9,500 with all the caveats that I mentioned. Tone Allen, shooting guard, 4,000. Clay, 6,000. And the man, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 10,400. For the small forwards, Troy Williams, 37. Jay Crowder, 53. And Durant at 10,500. Power forwards, Nick Miritich, 42, Trevor Booker, 58, and Draymond at 8,000. And the centers, Jolly Loka, 444, Mason Plumley 6,000, and Hassan Whiteside, 8,600. On DraftKings, Shelvin, return to the MAC, 3,600. Dennis Schroeder, 6,000, and Curry at 91. Will the Thrill Barton at 9,300. Lou Williams, 5,700, and Jimmy Butler at 84. Troy Williams, 41, the Rooster at 52, I love the Rooster at 52, and Durant at 10,700. Nick Miritich, 43, Jabari, 64, and Draymond, 82. 
and the centers. Johnny Henson, 44. Mason Plumley 6,000. And Hassan Whiteside, 9,000. All you Aussies that are playing here on a Sunday morning. Moneyball. Andy Harrison, minimum salary. Go ahead. Dennis Schroeder, 54. Love it. And Steph is at 89. For the shooting guards, Farton, Will Barton at 3,500. Zach Levine at 5,400. And DeMar DeRozan at 8,700. Small forwards, Jay Crowder, 44. The Rooster, 52. And Yanni at 10,000. Johnny Henson, a power forward, minimum salary. If you're not, if he's not in your lineup, I think that you are doing it completely wrong. Draymond at seven thousand four hundred. No real high price power forwards on Moneyball. That, or actually, there are no money. There are no power forwards priced over eight thousand on Moneyball at all. Centers: Andy Bogut, thirty-eight. Marcus Sol, sixty-nine hundred. Giggity. Should have been prepared for that. Hassan Whiteside, eight thousand six hundred. On draft stars: Andy Harrison, five zero five zero. Lou Williams, eight seven five zero. Lowry, 14650. Shooting guards, Troy Williams, 5000. Tony Allen, 8000. And DeMar DeRozan, 15100. Small forwards, I've got Troy Williams there again. Not really sure. One of those is supposed to be Troy Daniels. Troy Williams and Troy Daniels are both minimum salary on draft stars. So Troy Daniels is a GPP option. Jim Johnson, 5750. And Wilson Chandler, 8950. And Jim Butler, 1560. Power forwards, Rishon Holmes, 5850. Cody Zeller, 9,100, and Draymond, 15,650. And the centers, Mike Muscala as a punt at 5,550, Mason Plumley 9,450, and Hassan Whiteside, 17,550. We are done for today's show, guys. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. Check out my t-shirts at tpublic.com slash user slash redrock underscore b-ball. Basketball Monster, the Locked On Podcast Network. You know all the places. Check out the sponsors of the show. We've had Mac Weldon on who, with the promo code of LOFB, SeatGeek with LO Fantasy, um, Athletes Collective with LO, Fa- LO Fantasy as well. Um, check out all those things. I know another another listener messaged me the other day, me- messaged me with uh, some, um, I just had a little note passed to me then by my son, which I'll, I'll mention. Actually, I'll, I'll give, you a, give you an anecdote about my son. He he saw my t-shirt store and he said, you know what? I want to make some t-shirts. Fine. So he does. He has designed his own t-shirts. He's got his own t-shirt store. So if you go to tpublic.com slash user slash Ben Lloyd, that's it. He's got four t-shirts up there, I believe, all based on games from his iPad, Monsters, Monster Legends and Clash Royale. So check out his t-shirts. And if you're so inclined to buy one, these are the t-shirts that he designed, all his stuff. Have a look at that. The other interesting anecdote I've got about Ben, he, he plays a guitar. Right, so he's got his school concert coming up next week where he does like a solo piece and a and a piece in a duo. So he, so he comes and he goes, oh, what songs are you doing for your, your end of term concert? Oh, I'm, I'm, these are the songs I'm doing. All right, I'm doing Smoke on the Water. Oh, it's a pretty standard uh, guitar song. Yep, cool. That's a that's a standard guitar song. Oh, I'm also doing Smells Like Teen Spirit. Like what? How old am I that the kids are doing Smells Like Teen Spirit in the uh, in the um in the school concert? So he's uh, coming in here to show everyone his guitar. Yep, there it is. There's his guitar. Um, for you guys watching on YouTube, thanks, Ben. There's the there's guitar. So he comes in like, oh, I'm going to do Smells Like Teen Spirit. So we're here today, both our guitars plugged in with the amps. I go, oh, you know, we'll play it. I'll play it. We'll play both play the rhythm section. Comes to the solo. Oh, and he goes, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll handle the solo. Rips out a solo. Like, what? He's nine years old. And I go, I can't play the solo. So let me just strum here like an idiot and play the rhythm section while you're... Or you're standing up, full rock star stands and uh, and, uh, and and dropping in solos. That's the end of my anecdote. Just a little bit of extra bullcrap at the end of the of the show. We are done. 
Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Nolan's Noel.